0: chakshu tasmai shri garavena maha may the Supreme Personality of Godhead who enlivens the materially created bodies of the elements by lying down within the universe and who in his Purusha incarnation causes the living being to be subjected to the sixteen divisions of material modes which are his generator, be pleased to decorate my statements. As a fully dependent devotee, Sugadev Goswami, unlike a a mundane man who is proud of his own capability, invokes the pleasure of the personality of Godhead so that his statements may be successful and be appreciated by the hearers. The devotee always thinks of himself as instrumental for anything successfully carried out, and he declines to take credit for anything done by himself. The godless atheist wants to take all credit for activities, not knowing that even a blade of grass cannot move without the sanction of the Supreme Spirit, the Personality of Godhead. Shukadev Goswami therefore wants to move by the direction of the Supreme Lord who inspired Brahma to speak the Vedic wisdom. The truths described in the Vedic literatures are not theories of mundane imagination, nor are they fictitious, as the less intelligent class of men sometimes think. The Vedic truths are all perfect descriptions of the factual truth without any mistake or illusion, and Sukadeva Goswami wants to present the truths of creation, not as a metaphysical theory of philosophical speculation, but as the actual facts and figures of the subject, since he would be dictated to by the Lord exactly in the same manner as Brahmāji was inspired. As stated in the Bhagavad-gītā, the Lord is Himself the father of the Vedānta knowledge and it is He only who knows the factual purport of the Vedānta philosophy. So, there is no greater truth than the principles of religion mentioned in the Vedas. Such Vedic knowledge or religion is disseminated by authorities like Sukadeva Goswami because he is a humble devotional servitor of the Lord who has no desire to become a self-appointed interpreter without authority. That is the way of explaining the Vedic knowledge technically known as the parampara system or descending process. The intelligent man can see without mistake that any material creation, whether one's own body or a fruit or flower, cannot beautifully grow up without the spiritual touch. The greatest intelligent man of the world or the greatest man of science can present anything very beautifully only in so far as the spirit life is there, or insomuch as the spiritual touch is there. Therefore, the source of all truths is the Supreme Spirit and not gross matter as wrongly conceived by the gross materialist. We get information from the Vedic literature that the Lord himself first entered the vacuum of the material universe and thus all things gradually developed one after another. Similarly, the Lord is situated as localized paramātma in every individual living being Hence, everything is done by him very beautifully. The sixteen principal creative elements, namely earth, water, fire, air, sky and the eleven sense organs, first developed from the Lord himself and were thereby shared by the living entities. Thus, the material elements were created for the enjoyment of the living entities. The beautiful arrangement behind all material manifestations is therefore made possible by the energy of the Lord, And the individual living entity can only pray to the Lord to understand it properly. Since the Lord is the supreme entity, different from Shukadeva Goswami, the prayer can be offered to him. The Lord helps the living entity to enjoy material creation, but he is aloof from such false enjoyment. Shukadeva prays for the mercy of the Lord, not only for being helped personally in presenting the truth, but also for helping others to whom he would like to speak. Shukadeva Goswami is in the process of reciting the Mangalacharan, often mispronounced as Mangalacharan, before he speaks. He is about to give the most important Bhagavatam class in the history of this Kali Yuga. It was a long class. It lasted seven days and seven nights. Most of us don't have the stamina for that. In fact, I don't know many of you very well, but I can safely say that none of you, and myself also, have such stamina. Therefore, Nityang Bhagavata Saviya, we should daily, as a daily practice, hear the Bhagavatam. What Shukdev Goswami did in one satra, satra means the sitting at a yajna, yajna may go on for just like the in the first canto we hear about Sutta Goswami addressing Shonagadi Rishi, the uh, the sages gathered at Naimish Aranya who had established a thousand year sacrifice, then they just listen to the Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam instead. But it doesn't mean it goes on non-stop. There are different sittings. There may be two a day, three a day. So one long sitting, seven days, seven nights. But we shall do daily. Śrīla Prabhupāda established this system that if we hear one Every day, There's one class in which he discusses it. He says there are 18,000 verses and the body's worked out how many years it would go, take to go through each one. But even if we were to go through one verse, that could take us... Well, there's no end, because the Srimad Bhagavatam is unlimited. Krishna Tula Bhagavat, Vibhu Sharba Shrai prati sloke prati okare nana artha Chaitanya Mahabrabhu said regarding the Srimad Bhagavatam that Bhagavatam is the same as Krishna. Powerful to give shelter to all and in every verse and every syllable there are various meanings. So, Shukadeva Goswami is about to speak. Uh, it is of momentous importance. Parikshit Maharaj had been the emperor of the world, which means he was engaged in all important activities. Now he's left all those important activities. But what he is about to do, he's already the process has started, to hear the Bhagavatam, that's actually more important than anything else. So what's the most important thing in Manchester? Manchester United. I think Manchester's most famous in the world. Otherwise there are so many. What's the population of Manchester? Greater Manchester, about a million? Six million? Greater Manchester. Six million, so many. Well, it is a fairly fairly big, but there are so many. I mean, who's heard of, there are so many cities all over the world with one million, two million population, just like Chelyabinsk. Who's heard of Chelyabinsk? No one from Russia here. It's a two million or so population. No one heard. So it became famous for its football team. Manchester, But undoubtedly the most important thing that's going on in Manchester right now is this Srimad Bhagavatam class. And it's not because I'm giving it. It's because it is the worshipable Srimad Bhagavatam. And Sugadeva Goswami has this attitude also. Even though he is the most qualified speaker on Bhagavatam and Srila Prabhupada often in his, several times in his purport, states that the speaker on Bhagavatam should be like Shukdev Goswami. That doesn't mean he should come naked to the class, but it means that he should be, uh, as Srila Prabhupada in the summary to the in the last words of the previous purport, Srila Prabhupada writes that a spiritual master is not a theoretical speculator like the mundane scholar, but is srotriyam brahmanishtam. Shukdev Goswami had heard in the disciplic succession, the disciplic succession, all the disciplic successions in India, that means that we recognize four principal ones, and one also is an opposing one, but it is a parampara. That's the four Vaishnav Sampradayas and the Mayavad Sampradaya coming from Shankaracharya. But they all recognize the role of as. So, Shukdev Goswami heard directly from Vyasa and he's Brahmanishtam. He's fully fixed in Brahmanishtam, means uh, yeah, fully fixed in Brahma and that means in Krishna. So, he's fully qualified. He is the exemplar, the ideal, because he is selfless. Uh, he's not speaking Bhagavatam as Śrīla Prabhupāda points out, to maintain his family. He needs money to get his daughter married, so he has to do a few more Bhagavatam lectures than normal. Um, He's not out for name, fame, glory. He simply sees himself as a medium, a conduit, by which the message of Bhagavatam will be spoken. And that's actually the only way it can be spoken, because even though someone may speak very nicely here, Shukdev says, he asks, Alankrishishta Bhagavan, may the Supreme Lord decorate Vachang Sime, my words. So there are many speakers on Bhagavatam who can speak in a very pleasing manner. And that it's pleasing, well, it should be pleasing because the message of Bhagavatam is pleasing. That prasanga mamavirya hrit uh, karna Kapila Dev says that the message of Bhagavatam, heard in the association of devotees, the, the glorification of Krishna, is like a tonic, spiritual tonic. As myself and Jagadatma Prabhu were discussing last night, and again this morning a little bit, this regular daily program—it's our spiritual nourishment, just like we need food and air, and light and water for material nourishment. So we need daily spiritual nourishment. So it's—it's uh, it's very pleasing. Very pleasing to hear. Nirittata also. Again and again we find in Bhagavatam. Nirittata asayupagiyamana. Bhavau shaudhach chotra. Manobhirama. Manobhirama. It means Bhagavatam gives great pleasure to the mind. And Srila Prabhupada in the purport states that Sukadeva Goswami prays that his statements may be successful and be appreciated by the hearers. So to be appreciated by the hearers that's also desirable but not appreciated on the platform of the mind the senses mind or intelligence these are the mundane platforms indriyani tu yo paratas tu saha the material platforms are the platforms of the senses, the mind, and the intelligence. So it is possible to speak on Bhagavatam in a manner that is appreciated by the hearers, but appreciated on the platform of the senses, mind, and the intelligence. But Shukadev has no interest in these things. He's on the platform of the soul, the spiritual platform. So may it be appreciated on the spiritual platform, bhagavatam by hearing that will raise us to the spiritual platform and as we reach the spiritual platform we actually relish the topics of bhagavatam more and more descriptions of the supreme lord so shukdev is asking that his speaking may be successful Success. What is the meaning of success? All these words, practically every word, we can interpret or understand in two ways. The real meaning and the wrong meaning. The real meaning means the spiritual meaning and the wrong meaning means the material meaning. And usually whenever we use words, we use them in the material sense, which means that everything we say is all wrong. For instance, it has become a formality at the end of the class someone will say thank you very much for the wonderful class. Wonderful what does that mean? Uh, in this material world, what is wonderful? Well Ahani, Ahani Bhutani Gachantiha Yamala Sheshas Tavara Itchanti Kimascharya Ataf Param What could be more wonderful? Uh, Yudhishtya Maharaj says than the fact that daily people are going to the place of Yamaraj and those who have not this time round gone yet are making plans to stay. Even though they know they can't stay. They should be making plans to go to Krishna Alayam, not to Yamalayam. To the place of Krishna, not to the place of Yamaraj. So there are so many wonderful things. What is wonderful? The, uh, oh, what a wonderful world. I, I, what is it? Herb Alpert, something like this. I see the children playing. I look around and I say to myself, what a wonderful world. Something like this. So, song from the 1970s, early 1970s. No? I think to myself, what a wonderful world. But actually wonderful is the Adhuta rasa the spiritual sense of wonder which is underlines underlies all the rasas. Rasa means that which gives rise to wonder. So rasa, How wonderful is Krishna. So Shukdev Goswami, he's going to speak. He's not proud of his own capability. Srila Prabhupada says it. Unlike a mundane man. He's fully dependent. He knows that if at all I'm going to speak He's praying for the that his words may be alankrita. They may be decorated. So speaking in a what should we say? Artistic style, ornamental style. That's also very much part of Vaishnav culture that we try to do everything very nicely for Krishna and all arts, music, speaking should be all for the pleasure of the Lord traditionally. Uh, in India those who are going to speak well it should be in Sanskrit, generally that originally. Should be in Sanskrit, which the language lends itself to alanka. Alanka means ornamentation. And uh, we find, for instance, in the conversation between Keshava Kashmiri and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu praised Keshava Kashmiri's. Impromptu recitation of 100 verses in praise of the Ganga. One of the praises is it's full of alanka, decorative terms, um, and there are very there's a whole science, literary science, of poetics of there are different kinds of ornamentation, alliteration, the sound. Is, the sound of it is very nice. Or the uh, upama giving some analogy, uh, a metaphor, sorry, metaphor. And uh, so th- that is, and, and in, uh, up to the present day, in, when spoken in Indian languages especially, the uh, recitation of spiritual subjects, especially in the bhakti school, Will be uh, full of nice, how how should we say, very uh, cultured language. Generally, those who speak on such topics, they just like in Hindi, they'll speak in what is called Shud Hindi, without Urdu mixture, because the Sanskrit language is especially suitable for Sanskritized Hindi is especially suitable for praising Krishna, although Urdu in its own right is a uh, cultured language, not when it's spoken by the uh, rickshaw wallahs or whatever, but uh, there are many poems and this and that. So, as will be stated in the fifth, already stated in the fifth chapter of the first canto, that all this should be offered in service to Krishna. If anyone has any capability they should understand it's coming from Krishna and they should offer that in the service of Krishna. What is that verse? The Svishtasya uh, Suptasya Chabuddita. How does that begin? Anyone? That Srila uh, Prabhupada gave that as the that verse as the motto of the Bhaktivedanta Institute that all learning, all culture, all science uh, that should all be for the sake of glorifying Krishna. I can't remember the first line. Should all be for glorifying Achyuta. So Shukadev Goswami, he is the suitable person to describe Śrīmad- to recite the Srimad Bhagavatam, because he is a fully dependent devotee. He knows that if I'm to speak, I'm to speak like an instrument. He doesn't think I now I'm going to give a great class and oh everyone's gonna say whoa that was a that was a knockout class. He's not trying to do that. He's simply trying to humbly convey to the hearers what they need to hear about Krishna, which is why he was somewhat reticent to say everything because although he was speaking to Parikshit specifically, there were many others present also, all the great saintly persons of the universe. They're all great saintly persons, but they're not on the level of Pariksit, who had lived his life as a superficially, not as a saintly person, as a worldly person, superficially. Whereas so many rishis had come from throughout the universe whose only occupation was Brahma Jignasa, inquiring into the nature of the spiritual, and Brahma anusandham, searching for the spiritual, or having found it to... uh, be absorbed in that and maybe to impart that to others. So there are many spiritual people there, many pious people also. They may be... Pious does not necessarily equate with spiritual. They may be worldly pious. But uh, to hear and understand the Srimad Bhagavatam, bhakti, what is that? bhakti bhagavata graham only through bhakti can it be understood? So, Shukdev Goswami is imparting that message, but still there's a, there's a consideration of eligibility in who will hear what. Who is eligible to hear Srimad Bhagavatam? Uh, well, there are different considerations of that. In one sense, all human beings are eligible. Inasmuch as this human life is meant for them but generally those who are not impious those who are those who are impious and especially those who are envious who have an attitude of envy toward krishna then we shouldn't speak bhagavatam among them but eligible means everyone's welcome but who will sit and hear that's one Syndrome of eligibility, those who have the patience to sit and hear. Often young children are not very eligible due to the agitated state of mind in childhood. Often people say, Oh, that was the best time of my life, because they spend all their life trying to agitate their mind, the whole the whole of their endeavor is to agitate their mind in various ways. Therefore they have various instruments like TVs and internet and, on and, on. and so many different kinds of entertainment, uh, different kinds of food. They always want something different, 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 every, blah, 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 every second. So in childhood the mind is naturally agitated. So they think that's the best time of life. When... But uh, one should... Hear. one should be prepared to hear even if we can't hear for seven days and seven nights if we can hear for an hour that's uh, if, if we have the patience to do so these are qualifications for hearing Bhagavatam we should hear with faith and trying to understand the subject matter. Trying to understand means that we apply our mind and intelligence, having submitted our mind and intelligence to Krishna via the parampara system, via the guru. We don't surrender our intelligence, we, sub, we submit our intelligence. We, as an individual we all have intelligence, so we... We maintain individual intelligence but at the same time we understand that that is to be guided by those who are actually intelligent by having surrendered to Krishna. Buddha, Bhava, Samandita Those who are actually intelligent. So, Gronita, Kalena, Nati, Deer Bhagavan, Vishate, and Such devotees who regularly hear Bhagavatam with faith, actually trying to understand the subject matter, then within a short time they will find Bhagavan, the supreme personality of Godhead, manifested within their heart. So Shukdev Goswami, he is such a person in whose heart Bhagavan is fully manifested. Therefore, he is—he's also called Bhagavan, Bhagavan Badarayana. He's very powerful. He's as powerful as Krishna. Is that right? Sugadev Goswami is as powerful as Krishna. Is that correct? Yes. mean and destroy millions of worlds. He's as powerful as Krishna in delivering the message of Shastra. Krishna spoke Bhagavad Gita, so many generations of devotees spoke Bhagavad Gita. Srila Prabhupada spoke Bhagavad Gita. Hearing from Srila Prabhupada is as good as hearing from Krishna because he is empowered with the potency of Krishna because he's fully surrendered to Krishna. So in this matter, he's as powerful as Krishna. And in fact, Shukdev is uh, such a great speaker that Vyasadev himself Comments about Shukadev. Shukumakad, What is that? Uh, what is that, that verse? Third verse of Bhagavatam? Nigamakalpataru galitampalam drava amritadravasanyatam This is the ripened fruit of the tree of the Vedic literature and it's become that means it's delivered by Vyasadeva but it's become even sweeter having been manifest. Through the mouth of Shukadev, so he's such a such a great speaker. Often the speakers they'll be referred to as the uh, informal Bhagavata sittings as the the Vyas, and on the Vyasa, who will sit on the Vyas is San Vyas. They'll say that the speaker is Vyas. Or sometimes Shuka, they'll compare, but he has become how has he become so powerful because he's a fully dependent devotee <clears throat> he always thinks of himself as an instrument and he declines to take any credit for activities this is a sign of a devotee he doesn't promote himself it's it's a quandary because a devotee has to serve krishna and particularly at the present time, serving Krishna means jare dekho tare koha krishna upadesh to preach Krishna consciousness. And those who preach, they tend to be honored. Those who appreciate what they hear, they will express that. But a devotee doesn't want to be appreciated. So what should he do? Madhavendra Puri, he was living incognito he was just wandering by himself, unknown, sadhu. There are so many sadhus. Generally, it's considered about sadhus, those who are wandering alone, that, ah, they couldn't hold their, they couldn't make it in family life, so they left home and their sadhus, and anyway, give them a few paisa, and let them live. So, Madhavendra Puri. He may not have been taken very seriously by anyone. And he, he, he was quite happy with that. But Krishna arranged to make him famous. He, uh, Krishna stole the Kia Prasad for him. Actually it belongs to Krishna, but he's supposed to give it back after eating it. But he, he didn't. So it became known that this uh, Kira Prasad of Gopinath, who later became known as Kira Gopinath, had been stolen from Madhavendra Puri. So Madhavendra Puri left that place, he left Ramona, and hurried on to Puri, where he had to uh, requisition this uh, Chanda. Chandan, for the uh, sandalwood pulp, for offering to his deity, Gopal, in Brajamandam. But the news of his greatness, what a great devotee, had already reached to Puri. So people honored him. So what did he do? Did he avoid going to Puri? No, he had to go. Because he had to fulfill the order of the Lord to bring the sandalwood. And there was actually instrumental in his service that everyone agreed and cooperated with him. Otherwise, why should just some sadhu turns out of nowhere and says, give me so much sandalwood worth nowadays millions of rupees. Just give it to me for the Lord. Then why should they do it? But because his reputation was known, he did. So reputation can be useful for a sadhu in his preaching. Just like uh, Srila Prabhupada, he, during the time of the construction of Krishna Balaram Mandir in Vrindavan, uh, someone asked Srila Prabhupada, Why are you constructing this opulent temple? You're supposed to be a follower of the six Goswamis. The six Goswamis simply sat under a different tree every night. and you are building this opulent temple. Srila Prabhupada said, Yeah, I can, I can sit under a different tree. Practically Prabhupada was doing that at one point. But if I do, then who will come to here? You won't think it's very important. If I have a big opulent temple, they think, Oh, Bhaktivedanta Swami, very important. He has a big temple. He didn't become big important by building a big temple. He didn't become important by... Going to the west and making devotees. That's from our perspective. He was always important in Krishna's eyes because he is a pure devotee of Krishna. We say, Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Bhutale, Shimate Bhaktivedanta Swaminiti Namine. He is Krishna Prashta very dear to Krishna. It wasn't that he went to the West and then he made, he brought some people to devotional service and Krishna said, okay, all right, now you're dear to me. But he was always dear to Krishna. Ah. But that, in our eyes, he became important for his, we we say his achievements, what he did. Uh, Some years ago, I, compiled a book called Vangshidas Babaji. You can see on the cover, the photo, he looks like a crazy man. Actually, he is crazy with love of Krishna, to the external point of view. He looks crazy. As I noted, in any culture less spiritually advanced than that of India, he would have been rejected by many people as a crazy person. So I, I gave a copy. I in Once I was in Dubai and I met a successful at the time young Indian businessman and gave a copy of this book to him and he looked at it with some upset face. As if to say, why are you giving me this? If I'd given him a book about Mukesh Ambani or something, he would have been happy with that. Some big businessman... From the look on his face, he, he looked quite discontent, as if, he, "Why should you give me? I don't want to be like that." Long hair and no, practically no Long, wild hair and beard, and just squatting on the floor. So he said, "Who is this prisoner? What did he do?" I, I suppose this man was thinking he's... Very successful. What did he, because he himself had set up factories in so many different countries and was conducting business, international business. And I'm giving him a book. Usually, if you give a book about someone, people write biographies about the great people of the world. There's some website with 20,000 biographies on it. You've got time in your life, you can, about so many famous people, all the great things they have done. What did he do? He asked. So I said, he loved Krishna. That was the reply. But this businessman wasn't able to appreciate that. He wanted to see what has he done? What has he actually done in the world? Of course, Srila Prabhupada was he wanted his disciples to do things also. He didn't want them just to float around Radha Kundra or wander in Vrindavan. He wanted them to do something for promoting the Mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, something concrete. He used terms like that. So he wanted to see temples established. He wanted to see books distributed. He wanted to see people taking devotional service. He wanted Varnashram communities developed. But the whole purpose is that we should come to the natural position of loving Krishna. So all these things are done, the devotees they, they can do so many things. But the real test is do we love Krishna? One Srila Prabhupada was asked by some disciple, what pleases you the most? Because Yasya Prasadad, Bhagavat Prasadaha. the spiritual master is pleased, Krishna is pleased. So what pleased Srila Prabhupada the most? Give me uh give me ten million dollars or distribute ten million books. Srila Prabhupada replied, if you love Krishna, what is the difficulty? Srila Prabhupada often said, what is the difficulty? For Prabhupada there was no difficulty, but for us it seems very difficult. But this is the beginning, to to have this attitude of humility. Sugadeva, as a fully dependent devotee, invokes the pleasure of the personality of Godhead so that his statements may be successful and be appreciated by the hearers. Srila Prabhupada also wanted that his disciples conduct daily classes on the Bhagavatam, Gita, Chaitanya Charitamrita and other works. Now, it doesn't mean that the speaker is necessarily on the level of Shukadev, but we are to cultivate speaking the message of Shukadeva, the message of Bhagavatam, and the mood by which he did it. It's a very grave responsibility to speak on Bhagavatam. We may think to be a guru and accept disciples is a very grave responsibility. It certainly is. But then to speak on the Bhagavatam is also a grave responsibility. It's not a small thing. Most important. Remember, it's the most important thing going on in Manchester at the present time. Not a small thing. Ah. Sometimes we hear in our movement, sannyasi fell down. and say, Oh, very bad. But there are so many devotees who have taken Brahmin initiation. They're not living as Brahmanas. <laughs> they're not acting as Brahmanas. That's also very bad. It's not, it's not just that, well... Doesn't matter, he was a small devotee. But that, being given that position of Brahman, it's a very grave responsibility to so, show Shukadeva Goswami before speaking the message of Bhagavatam. He is praying. So many prayers, practically one chapter of prayers, invoking Krishna's mercy upon him so that he may speak in a manner that will be pleasing to Krishna, that will convey to the hearers what they need to hear. Speaking means, in a culture where such speaking is appreciated, then uh, speaking means it's an opportunity to become appreciated. So Sugadeva, he wants that what he, his statements will be appreciated by the hearers, But he's not promoting that I will be appreciated. Of course, the two things are almost the same. But the emphasis is on let those who hear, let them appreciate, because it's the message of Bhagavatam. It's not me. It's not not my great intelligence, my great creative, imaginative abilities in Western culture that's considered... If someone can speak something imaginative, something new, art means you should always have something new. And they ran out of things, so they made all kinds of monstrosities, which they call art. A few years ago, I was we were driving in Philadelphia in the United States, and it was a nice area of town. And then I saw there was some very nice building. Uh, and then I saw... And right in front of the building is a whole pile of garbage. I thought, why, what's that, why is there a pile of garbage outside the building? Then I saw in the building it said Philadelphia Museum of Modern Art. And then I understood it wasn't a pile of garbage, it was a piece of modern art. So they stopped... First of all, in, in the Western culture, first of all, they painted religious themes, Christian themes. Then they came to portraits and landscapes and it's still somewhat beautiful and then they came to just the most horrible manifestations of insane minds like Picasso and they call that art but Krishna is very beautiful so devotee uh, simply tries to convey Krishna is beautiful Krishna, all good qualities, all bad qualities also come from Krishna. Not exactly. Krishna doesn't have any bad qualities. But just as Krishna, Surya, Sama, Maya, Hoya, Andhaka, darkness means absence of light. Darkness can only be understood in relation to light. Darkness is not in itself a principle. So we find in the Gita, Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Bhayam, Abhayam, both fear and fearlessness. They both come from Krishna. Everything comes from Krishna. On his backside is Adharma. So devotee doesn't try to be... If a devotee... Actually, if he's trying to be appreciated, then he's not a devotee at all. (laughs) That's maybe sitting on a seat and speaking in very nice words. But if his aim is to be appreciated by others, then he's not... A devotee. So one, one has to fully submit oneself to Krishna, thinking oneself instrumental, declining to take credit for activities, mm, wanting to move by the direction of the Supreme Lord. So Srila Prabhupada instituted this daily discussion of Bhagavata. Maybe daily... Maybe more than once a day. In some, he gave different directions at different times. Sometimes he would say, generally, he'd say two classes a day. There should be in one letter, I believe it was. He said there should be classes going on throughout the day, non-stop, one after another, in the temples. So actually, yes, all the time in the temples, there should be kirtan non-stop. There should be. Now we have kirtan melas, but actually we should have non-stop kirtan melas. Everywhere, all over the world. But then we should also have non-stop recital of bhagavatam, non-stop distribution of prasadam. All these things. All these things should go on. All these things should go on, non-stop. But we are working within our capacity. But that should be the aim, that there should be. All these things should go on. Then there's no more material world. There's only the spiritual world. If these activities are always going on. So what else does Srila Prabhupada write here? The truths. Yeah. What is Shukadev describing? He's describing, uh, in the beginning he's describing the process of creation. How can we begin to understand Krishna? We find that the uh, theistic systems within the world religion, religion in general they the religious people they accept God in relation to this world Their, their understanding doesn't go beyond that God or God's There are many people who accept that there are many gods. There are spirits everywhere. But it's all related with this world. In the Christian religion, also the um, main conception of God is as the creator of this world. That is not a very advanced understanding, especially if we understand that this world is miserable. And then mostly the religion's in the Western world, they have the idea that this world should be nice. All things, what is that? All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, that the good Lord made them all. So the idea is that God made this world and it's very nice. What a wonderful world. But then the atheists point out that, well, either God dozed off when he was in the process of creation six days non-stop uh... or he, he got it wrong or he wasn't very capable or he's a bad guy because there's so many problems in this world it's full of suffering so this uh, atheists they're having a lot of fun nowadays by pointing out that uh, well, either god he's not all good or he's not all wonderful or most likely doesn't exist at all because if God was actually good, then I suppose in Manchester, people would say that Manchester United would win all the time, But then, or Manchester City. Uh, but then in Liverpool, they'd say, well, if God is actually all good, he'd make Liverpool win all the time. But that's the problem, because everyone wants to make themselves God. What I want, I will enjoy, I will... Control. God, if there's any God up there, he's my partner in making the world the way I want it, my partner in crime. Uh, but the proper understanding is that, yeah, the, so the atheists is saying, there can't be any God, there can't be any God, otherwise the world would be the way we want it to be. But there is God, and the world is not the way we want it to be, because it's not meant to be the way we want it to be. We are supposed to act for the pleasure of God. And because we don't do that, then we come to this world. It's like a prison house. So with this understanding, this is the proper understanding. So God-realization begins uh, chandra shakha That we, just like... The mother may say to the child at night, nowadays living in the cities with all neon lights, you hardly see the moon. But uh, in the village where there's no electricity, uh, hardly any villages exist like that in Europe these days. Or anywhere. Hmm. But in the village, uh, when the uh, moon is... Around the time of... uh, Amavasya, around the time of new moon. Now we're in the middle phase of the waxing moon. <clears throat> so, uh, then you can hardly see the moon at all. Then gradually grows, it becomes a full moon. So the mother may point out to the child, what is the moon? You see that, you see that tree in the courtyard? You see in between the two branches, that round ball or that sliver, whatever phase it may be in, that is the moon. So by pointing out to the child something that the child is familiar with, and then saying, look, now you see that, ah, now you see that. You see that round thing? That is the moon. So pointing out something familiar, and then bringing our attention to something which is less familiar. So, in the same way, To understand God, begin with this material world. This material world is not very important, but we think it's very important. The spiritual world is very important. The material world is not important. But we think it's very important because we don't know anything else. So, God-realization begins from describing him in relationship to this world. And that Shukdev Goswami will first of all describe that. In Bhagavad Gita also, Krishna points out how we can begin to understand him. Rasohamapsu Prabhashmi Shashi Krishna says when you see ah, uh, or when you taste the taste in water or any drink, you should know that is Krishna. Srila Prabhupada said in this regard, even the wine drinker can gradually become God-conscious, because for him wine is God, and if he thinks, ah, it's so nice, this is God, that's the beginning of God-realization. Not recommended for our devotees, but it's an opportunity for those at the, even at the lowest level. So, rasoham absilkanthiya prabhash, the light of the sun and the moon, we can see. This is Krishna. It's one representation of Krishna. The sound, om, uh, that is in the Vedas, in Vedic culture, one will regularly hear the Brahmanas reciting the Vedas. Uh, the sound in ether, the ability in man, so many uh, manifestations we see. Tejas, Tejas, Venamaham, Budhir, Budhimatam, Asmi, Parang, Chaham, so many ways. The one whole chapter of the Gita is there giving representations. How we can understand the beginning understanding of how we can see God in this world. So, Shukdev Goswami, he's the topmost devotee. He will eventually describe Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan, but he's starting from the beginning. How we can begin our Um. God-realization. Srila Prabhupada discusses that in the purport here also, how uh, an intelligent person within this world, they can begin their God-realization by understanding that nothing can come into being without the touch of the Supreme Spirit, that God is behind everything. So that's the beginning, to understand there is a God. Who is he? How does he act? Why does he act? What are his energies? This is all described in Srimad Bhagavatam, which is about to be described by Shukadeva Goswami. Hare Krishna. Any question about this, please? Or comment? Yeah. We're all serving Krishna within our limited capacity. How do we increase this? Well, there are two ways to increase, quantity and quality. If we 're fully engaged in krishna's service twenty four hours a day, then we can then quantity is difficult to increase, or if we 're not, if circumstantially we as most of the devotees here are well even, even if like yourself, you 're living in an ashram, we can increase by decreasing our eating and sleeping, but we should be careful in doing that also lest we fall sick or. Due to not having enough sleep, uh, cause some accident when driving or something like that. So everything has to be done very intelligently. Uh, Those who are living within the secular society, they can think as far as possible how to... uh, That they will have to say. How to organize their life in such a way that they have more time for Krishna consciousness. The other thing is quality, increase the quality. Well, everything we do in Krishna consciousness is meant to increase the quality. Hearing, chanting, it's all meant for improvement. So many of these how-do-we questions, there are so many, how can we be sincere, how can we be determined, this, that. Two generic answers to these generic questions. One thing, associate with devotees. If you see a quality that you want to develop, you associate with devotees who have that quality, or you can hear about them in Shastra. And uh, meditate on those qualities and pray to that person or persons. And the other answer is just go on with devotional service because itself, devotional service brings about more devotional service. There always is coming. how can we be more sincere? How can we be more determined? The answer is, we'll just go on in devotional service and everything will come. There's no, There's nothing we have to add to devotional service. It's not that we we need a little touch of karma, jñāna, or yoga. Bhakti itself is complete. Yes, please. Qualifications of a speaker. Should we be selective in who we hear? Yeah, I mean the Devotees don't, don't, don't come to the Bhagavatam class because they don't appreciate the speaker. Nowadays, you can get, everything's on the Internet. Yeah. You, you can even get a guru on the Internet. Yeah. Go shopping for a guru on the Internet. Well, as Srila Prabhupada said in London, only the most qualified devotees should speak in the temple. But then uh, newer devotees should be given a chance also so they can become qualified. The basic qualification is that one should speak according to Guru, Sadhu and Shastra without personal motivation. So if someone's doing that, that's perfect. Generally it's uh, hoped or expected that the speaker should have a good grasp of the subject. But it it may be that even at some point those who are beginners, they have to come up. So they may be given an opportunity also. We don't expect that someone who's been studying the Bhagavatam for 30, 40 years, that someone who's been studying for three or four years, they'll be on the same level, but they have to be given a chance also. So... what to do in such circumstances. Well, in, in a bigger temple, just like in Bhaktivedanta. Anyway, probably as many devotees here in the class today, here in Manchester, as they are at the manor class at the same time. No, there'll be a few more at the manna. But uh, maybe then now, in the beginning days of our movement, someone, when I joined, if a devotee had been in the movement four years, they were considered very senior devotee. Now they're considered junior. But uh, it was quite common that devotees, they'd just be in the, they'd just being becoming a devotee, we, we use that phrase, becoming a devotee, uh, in those days almost invariably meant moving into the temple. So it was often that devotees, they'd be in the temple for just a few weeks and they'd be giving classes, sent out to open youth centers. Nowadays we would hope that the classes would have more depth but there may be an opportunity for for, uh, for younger devotees also to give classes and and uh, for the general public what if a devotee has knows that he's not the body even theoretically and has faith in that then he's already far far more elevated his knowledge is far greater than that of the average person in the street. Because the nature of the knowledge itself is very high. So, that, the question should, is it all right if we think, well, I don't like that speaker, I'll just listen to something on the internet, or just go to sleep somewhere. Um, that That is... An organizational question, as much as it is a spiritual question as it's within the context of our movement, so yeah, younger devotees should also get a chance to hear, but then to, to speak, but then that also may not be very proper if there are many senior devotees present, but you turn out junior devotees who prefer to hear from. We have to be a little careful with this, also the whole idea of what I like to hear can if we emphasize this too much, then it can be disastrous because then we just judge on, on what pleases us what we think is nice. What we like to hear and what we need to hear are often not the same last night, I was Jagadatma Prabhu was telling me about some of his experiences with, with Gorgovinda Maharaj. So he's well known for speaking in a manner that was very enlivening in terms of bhakti. But I think at least as much he spoke very strongly against deviations in devotional service. But devotees in general don't seem to be so much eager to hear that. That's a kind of cheating mentality. <laughs> We we like the nectar. Give me the nectar. If we're only looking for nectar, then we're not genuine devotees. Of course, it's all nectar, but we should be prepared to hear what we... Even if we don't like... It's not if I like to hear it or not, but what I need to hear. Undoubtedly, Srila Prabhupada was fully qualified to speak on all topics of Christian Consciousness. But he, he spoke very basically. You can hear his lectures, actually. As if you hear 1966 lectures, by 1975, he's clearly speaking to an audience that is more deep in understanding of what he's been teaching them for the last nine years. But then uh, in Madras, in the city of Madras, then when one, I believe, is the chief justice of the court and his wife, they were begging Prabhupada to, to speak on Rasalila. Prabhupada refused and they were very insistent and, and Prabhupada spoke about qualification. He said, yes, 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 we are qualified. And then Prabhupada said, well, I am not qualified to speak. Undoubtedly, Srila Prabhupada was qualified to speak, but he was most cautious in this matter. So we should be careful about what we want to hear. We should be very careful about the cheating of the mind in what we want to hear. And those who are speakers, they should speak in the manner that Sugadeva Goswami spoke, that Srila Prabhupada spoke, that uh, Srimad Bhagavatam is Rasa Shastra, Pivata Bhagavatam Rasa Malayam, but it's also Takvajyan, both things are there. Philosophical understanding is there. Begins with satyam param dhimahi, meditation on the truth, which is to be understood as janmadya sayyata anvayad itaratas charakhe svabhignaswara. The beginning of Bhagavatam is a presentation of, of of philosophical understanding of reality and then the second verse speaks of the uh preeminence of shrimad bhagavatam how it's a completely transcendental scripture it's the highest scripture and then the third verse introduces that bhagavatam is rasa rasa it's so both things are there both tatva philosophy tatva gyan philosophy and rasa or the knowledge of the Ah, uh, mellows, there's no word to translate So, the mellows of Krishna consciousness. So, we can't take one without the other. If we think, I just want the nectar without the philosophy. Well, Sukadev didn't speak like that. Krishna himself, he speaks Bhagavad Gita. So, we should be careful about what we like to hear. What we need to hear is usually not what we like to hear. We can go on and on for lifetime after lifetime hearing what we like to hear. It's only when we hear what we need to hear that we become actually qualified to hear what we like to hear. (laughs) Anything else? Yeah. I, I actually, uh, I made one book called On Speaking Strongly in Srila Prabhupada's Service in which I discussed this point about what we like to hear, what we need to hear, how the classes should not be to, the classes in our temple should not be to entertain the devotees but to inform and enlighten them. So that's discussed more fully in that book. Yeah? Is a connection to the term. Mm. 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 Is formal initiation important? in understanding the message of Bhagavatam. Well, we don't find that Pariksit was formally initiated by Sukadeva. And specifically, the Sukadeva wasn't formally initiated by Vyasadeva. At least not in the traditional Vedic way. But then again, initiation... Sometimes Śrīla Prabhupāda equated just the imparting of the mantra in an informal way with initiation... But formal initiation, yeah, that is necessary for pretty much all devotees. Prabhupada said in one letter, there is a great difference between initiated and non-initiated. One is authorized and the other is not authorized. So yeah, initiation means formally submitting oneself as a student. It's it's an it's uh just like to enter an institution of higher learning. One has to take the entrance exam and then one is formally admitted. Then the, then such persons will be educated. Prior to that, there's no formal commitment. So initiation means commitment. Without that... Srila Prabhupada said, we, we invite everyone, they can come, they can join with us, they can chant, they can hear. But initiation means commitment. And having taken that commitment, then one has the responsibility and one is also authorized. Adhikari means one's also authorized, and one's authorized to. Uh, for various devotional services, for instance, only initiated devotees should worship the deity. Um, the uh, the guru will will be or one who's taken the role of a guru will be naturally more inclined to instruct those who have made a commitment than those who are just casual hearers. Once. Uh, one Brahmacharya asked me so many questions as I was answering. And then after, was he said, well, thanks thanks for giving me the opportunity to pick your brain. And then I, I, after that, I thought, I don't want to speak to him. I don't want to instruct him again if that's what he's thinking. he just it's like some, some... Like an ATM or something. Take out what... Or like a slot machine. You, you take out what you want. It's not like that. The attitude. Is. There's, actually, there are so many things devotees have to learn. Devotees are asking about initiation, this, that, but what a commitment it is and what is required. The whole culture surrounding it. In India, there's still some idea. But in the West, people have no idea, actually, of all these things, what it means. As Ravi Shankar, the Sitaris said to Srila Prabhupada when Srila Prabhupada was first in the West, you see, because he was also a guru teaching Sitar. That's also one kind of Guru disciple relationship. It's not transcendental, but the culture is the same. In, in the the I, I I've see, I, you'll see and, and, and that's decreasing now, but in the schools or the university, not in the university. But uh it used to be that the students would touch the feet of the professor in the university in India, because he is my guru. So Ravi Shankar said, you see, here in the West, the disciple will sit on, with his feet pointing toward you, which is just unthinkable. You have no idea. There's a whole culture that goes with it. I, I'm thinking that, for especially for Brahminical culture, Brahminical initiation, there should... Now we have this idea, you have to get some bhakti-shastra exam or something, but they should learn also the culture, what it means to be a Brahmin, otherwise, you see, it. just like, I don't know if you knew or not, I'm unlucky for you, maybe I'm going to use you as an example now, you walked into the temple at the beginning of class, eating, it's just, it is a very basic thing, people just don't know. They should learn all those things. Otherwise, it's very difficult to make. Even if you learn so many things, it may be very difficult to make proper spiritual advancement. And uh, moreover, Srila Prabhupada wanted, he wanted to create a class of Brahmanas who can guide human society by their, by their example, not just by their knowledge. So mm-hmm. they, they should set a first-class example. So there's so many things to be taught. So many things. Anyway, I was getting a little bit off subject there.